Good evening. Good to see each one of you in the Lord's house again tonight. Would you stand with me, please? Let's turn to page 658. Page number 658. Jesus is coming again. Amen. Could be very, very soon. Page 658. Let's sing it out together, all three verses tonight. Marvelous message we bring. Glorious carol we sing. Wonderful word of the King. Jesus is coming again. Coming again. Coming again. Maybe morning, maybe noon, maybe evening, and maybe soon. Coming again. Coming again. Oh, what a wonderful Flower proclaim, mountain and meadow the same, all earth and heaven proclaim, Jesus is coming again, coming again, coming again. Maybe morning, maybe noon. At last, trial and trouble all past. Crowns at his feet we will cast. Jesus is coming again. Coming again. Coming again. Maybe morning, maybe noon. Great start tonight. I'm telling you, we're closer than we've ever been, that's for sure. And uh, what a glory, hallelujah. I'm telling you, it's going to be a great day. Now, if you're saved, it's going to be a great day. So if you're not saved, well, you need to be saved so you can rejoice when the Lord Jesus comes again. Well, it's been a good day in the Lord, and sure looking forward to tonight and getting back into our study of the kings and the prophets. And so let's pray tonight and ask the Lord to certainly bless and and meet with us uh, tonight. I'm going to ask Brother Gary Clark if you would pray for us tonight, bro.
Amen. Won't you be seated uh, tonight? I did just have a couple of announcements. I uh, wanted to uh, mention, of course, don't forget about uh, this coming uh, Friday is the church hayride uh, and cookout. There's uh, several sign-up sheets out there in the foyer for not only the, if you're coming, but things that uh, you can bring. I think for the most part, most everything is filled up, and so sure appreciate people uh, doing uh, that. And then, of course, I wanted to mention this. If you plan on, and we do encourage you because of this, the, the lack of room, but we do encourage you to uh, meet here at the church and then take the bus uh, over uh, to the uh, Watson's uh, place. And so that's going to be leaving here at the church at 630 and then, of course, we'll start uh, at 7 o'clock in the evening. And then, of course, if you do need to drive, uh, you can uh, certainly do that. But you'll do uh, make sure to get with uh, Brother Eric uh, Watson for the address as well as uh, directions and things like that because we're asking people not to pull down the driveway, so you'll have to park out uh, by the street and then walk uh, down. That way that we can get the hayride uh, in and out. If you have young people in the teen uh, department, there's a teen activity November the 12th, uh, which is uh, next Sunday night. So following the evening service, there is a restaurant uh, takeover, and I need to get with Brother Tim to find out if it's a good restaurant or not. I might go to that, amen. Um, also, uh, teens, there is a youth rally at First Baptist Church in Mission, Kansas, and that is on Friday, November the 17th. And then, of course, November the 18th this month is going to be our churchwide outreach. That's on a Saturday, 1030 in the morning. And then, of course, certainly don't forget about, uh, of course, November, uh, Thanksgiving uh, coming up. And so we are having our Thanksgiving banquet uh, this year. That'll be the Sunday uh, before uh, Thanksgiving, uh, November the 19th. Brother Frank Wood is going to be here uh, with us. And so he's going to be preaching uh, Sunday morning, and then of course uh, we're going to have an afternoon service, and so no evening service that night. And then don't forget about the midweek service will be moved uh, to Tuesday night, November the 21st at 7 o'clock. And then looking forward to having our missionary brother Tom Gritz to England, him and his wife going to be here with us November the 26th uh, reporting. did just want to mention a couple of things on our prayer list tonight. Uh, if you would, uh, pray for brother Roy McRae. He's going to be having neck surgery uh, Tuesday, and so pray uh, for that. And then, of course, uh, Brother Rich Raymer uh, is having surgery Thursday, I believe it is, uh, cataract uh, surgery, and so pray uh, that that goes uh, smoothly as well. Okay, Brother Eric, come on ahead. Let's continue singing tonight from page 231. Let you remain seated for this song, page 231. Christ receiveth sinful men. We'll sing all verses tonight, page number 231. Sinners Jesus will receive Sound this word of grace to all Who the heavenly pathway lead All who linger, all who fall Sing it o'er and o'er again Christ receive and sinful men Make the man And he will give you rest Trust him for his word is plain He will take the sinfulest Christ receive a sinful man Sing it on and o'er again Christ receive a sinful man Make the 
Every one of us ought to be thankful for that tonight. Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, it's been a great day in the Lord's house, and now we get a chance to give back to him just a small part of all he's blessed us with. Amen. That's Brother Ethan Whitney. Would you pray for the offering tonight, please? Amen. one last time please turn to page 333 page number 333 my redeemer we'll sing all four verses for our last song together tonight page 333 i will sing of my redeemer and his wondrous love to me on the cruel cross he suffered from the curse to set me free sing oh sing of my redeemer with his blood he purchased me on the cross he sealed my pardon paid the debt and made me free i will tell the wondrous story how my lost estate to save in his boundless love and mercy, he the ransom freely gave. Sing, oh, sing of my Redeemer. With his blood, he purchased me. On the cross, he sealed my pardon, paid the debt, and made me I will praise my dear Redeemer, His triumphant power I'll tell. How the victory He giveth over 
sin and death and hell. Sing, oh sing of my Redeemer. With his blood he purchased me. On the cross he sealed my pardon. Paid the debt and made me free. I will sing of my Redeemer and his heavenly love to me. He from death to life hath brought me, Son of God, with him to be. Sing, oh sing, of my Redeemer. With his blood he purchased me. On the cross he sealed my pardon, paid the Amen. Grace singing tonight. Please remain standing. Go and get your Bibles ready for the message this evening. Amen. Praise the Lord. Take your Bibles and turn with me tonight to 1 Samuel and chapter number 4 tonight. The book of 1 Samuel and chapter uh, number 4. Now, now, if you remember, all right, if you've been here for the kings and, and the prophets, we, we know this, that God would send a man of God to warn Eli of, of God's judgment that was getting ready to fall on his life if he did not deal with his wicked sons, Hophni and Phinehas. And of course, he, he didn't deal with them. And so when God calls Samuel to preach in, in chapter number 3, all right, God gives Samuel the judgment, all right, the, the message that, that judgment is it's now going to happen on the house of Eli. All right, so, so now we get into chapter number 4. Now here's, here's what we're going to see tonight. You ready for this? God's Word is always true. It's always true. It's always going to come to pass. If God said it, mark it down, it's going to happen. All right, and, and so that, listen, heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall not pass away. And so that's exactly what happened. So look at chapter number 4 tonight in verse number 1. And the Bible says this, And the word of Samuel came to all Israel. Now Israel went out against the Philistines to battle and pitched beside Ebenezer. And the Philistines pitched in Aphek. And the Philistines put themselves in array against Israel. And when they joined the battle, and when they joined the battle, Israel was smitten before the Philistines. And they slew of the army in the field about 4,000 men. And when the people were come into the camp, the elders, said of, uh, the elders of Israel said, Wherefore hath the Lord smitten us today before the Philistines? Let us fetch the ark of the covenant of, of the Lord out of Shiloh unto us, that, now watch these words carefully, when it cometh unto us, it may save us out of the hand of our enemies. It, not he. Everybody catching that? Now look at what happens in verse number 4. So the people sent to Shiloh that they might bring thence the ark of the covenant of the Lord of hosts, which dwelleth between the cherubims. And the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, were there with the ark of the covenant of God. It's all coming out. It's all coming to pass. It's all coming together. Is everybody watching this? And when the ark of the covenant of the Lord, in verse 5, came into the camp, all Israel shouted with a great shout, so that the earth rang again. 
And when the Philistines heard the noise of the shout, they said, What meaneth the noise of this great shout uh, in the camp of the Hebrews? And they understood that the ark of the Lord uh, was come into the camp. And the Philistines were afraid, for they said, God has come into the camp. And they said, Woe unto us, for there hath not been such a thing heretofore. Woe unto us, who shall deliver us out of the hand of these mighty gods? These are the gods that smote the Egyptians with all the plagues in the wilderness. Be strong and quit yourselves like men, O ye Philistines, that ye be not servants unto the Hebrews, as they have been unto you, or they have been to you. Quit yourselves like men and fight. Listen, so Israel's psyching themselves up. Well, guess what? The Philistines are psyching themselves up too. Because you can do stuff in the flesh. And that's what's going on. Because look at what happens in verse 10. And the Philistines fought, and Israel was smitten, and they fled every man into his tent. And there was a very great slaughter. Listen to this. It wasn't 4,000 now, for there fell of Israel 30,000 footmen. And the ark of God was taken. And the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, were slain. God's word always comes to pass. Now look at verse number 12. You okay? All right, stay with me here. Look at verse number 12. And there ran a man of Benjamin out of the army and came to Shiloh the same day with his clothes rent, with earth upon his head. And, he came, and when he came, lo, Eli, which uh, sat upon the seat by the wayside watching, for his heart trembled for the ark of God. And when the man came into the city and told it, all the city cried out. And when Eli heard the noise of the crying, he said, What meaneth the noise of this tumult? And the man came hastily and told Eli. Now Eli was ninety and eight years old, and his eyes were dim that he could not see. And the man said unto Eli, I am he that came out of the army, and I fled today out of the army. And he said, what, what is there done, my son? And the messenger answered and said, Israel has fled before the Philistines, and there hath been also a great slaughter among the people. And thy two sons also, Hophni and Phinehas, are dead, and the ark of God is taken. And it came to pass, when he made mention of the ark of God, that he fell from off the seat backward by the neck, or by the side of the gate, and his neck brake, and he died. For he was an old man and heavy, and he judged Israel forty years. And his daughter-in-law Phineas's wife was with child near to be delivered. And when she heard, tiding, heard the tidings that the ark of God was taken, that her father-in-law and her husband were dead, and she bowed herself and travailed, and her pains came upon her. And about the time of her death, the women that stood by her said unto her, Fear not, for thou hast born a son. But she answered not, neither did she regard it. And she named the child Ichabod, saying, The glory is departed from Israel because the ark of God was taken and because of her father-in-law and her husband. And she said, The glory is departed from Israel for the ark of God is taken. Now here's what we're going to preach on tonight. Avoiding Ichabod. Avoiding Ichabod. You see, what, what Eli's daughter-in-law names her son, it not only captures the sum of God's judgment on the house of Eli, but really it also captures what has spiritually happened to Israel as a whole. And what I'm saying to you tonight is this, is that you cannot war in the flesh. You cannot live this life in the flesh without serious consequences happening. And you will end up to a place called Ichabod. And I'm just telling you tonight, I don't want to be there, and I certainly don't want God's people to be there. 
Father, would you bless the preaching now, and I ask it in Jesus' name, amen, tonight. Would you be seated, and thank you for standing in honor of God's Word tonight. Uh, Natalie and I, I, I have uh, always uh, played uh, sports when, when I was growing up in, in, in high school. I played uh, football and, and baseball and, and basketball, and so after I got out, out of school and, and I began working, and Natalie and I... I uh, got married. I, I really, I, you know, I, I hunted and I fished and, and things like that. But, but I, I really, I wanted something that I could do that that was, you know, a little more inclined to sports and athletics and and things like that. And so I ended up. I remember our oldest daughter was already born, and I took up the game of golf. And so I started uh, playing uh, golf. Now, don't worry, I still fish and still hunt. Amen. All right. So. Uh, but but uh, one of the first golf courses that I liked, uh, I started out playing, was a place called Creekside. It was there uh, in Pensacola. It was a it was a nice uh, golf course. It was very little. I liked it because it was cheap. Amen. And but what was neat about it was, is that it had a lot of character. In other words, it had a lot of unique holes and and things about it. And one of my favorite holes, one of my favorite ones was one that was right by the highway. It had a tee box right there by Brent Lane. You could see it uh, from the highway, and then it went straight down this hill. Believe it or not, we actually have hills in Florida, all right? And uh, it went straight down this hill. It was called a blind tee box, meaning this. You couldn't see You couldn't see down there. You had to walk out a little bit so that you could see down. But it was a par four, but it was short enough and downhill enough where if you hit it just right, you could actually drive the green or even drive the ball uh, over the green. And it was really neat because you would hit your ball and then you would go down there and you'd have to look around and find it and you'd finally find it and, 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 and play it out. And then after you played it out, there was a big old huge cowbell right there, sir. You bang that bell to let the people in the tee box know they could go now. And so it was just fun. I, I really uh, enjoyed it. It had a, lot of, had a lot of character. Several years ago, we went back uh, to Florida. And uh, we were heading uh, to church uh, on a Sunday morning. And on the way to the church there uh, that, that her dad, my wife's dad, pastors, we, you have to pass. You have to go down Brent Lane and you actually pass the Creekside uh, Golf Course. And I, and I noticed something. The grass was like extremely tall on the tee box. And, and what had happened was the course had, had closed down. And so as a result, it was just left uncared for. And so there was all of this grass and there was all of this brush and, and all of this stuff that, that had grown up. And so you could, in fact, you could barely recognize where, where the tea box was at. And I thought, I thought to myself this, Ichabod, the glory has departed from Creekside. You understand what I'm saying? Listen, what, what I'm trying to illustrate to you tonight is this is that that's exactly the same idea uh, behind the name that, that is given to Eli's grandson in our text. Now, you've got to think about this. Israel has now been defeated by the Philistines. Hophni and Phinehas were killed as a result of God's judgment. Then the Ark of the Covenant uh, was taken, which is something that has never happened before. And to top it all off, upon hearing this, Eli falls off the wall as he, that, that he is sitting on as he hears the news, and he breaks his neck and he dies. And so while his daughter-in-law 
is giving birth and hears all of this bad news and she's going to die in, 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 in giving birth. She names her son Ichabod, which means this, the glory of the Lord has departed. In essence, what that means is this, is that what was once a place of great blessings and splendor is no more. It is now a place of defeat and death and destruction. And what I'm saying to you tonight is this, is that the sad part is that stuff like this isn't just happening to golf courses that we used to play. And it's not just happening to restaurants that we used to go to and have now shut down. No, 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 my friend. Spiritually speaking, this is happening to churches. I said this is happening to churches. This is happening to God's people. And in their lives, what I'm saying to you is this, is that where there was once the blessings of God, and they were on fire for God, and they were serving God, it's now a life that is distant from God and defeated in God. And maybe even destruction is right around the corner as they continue moving away from God. And what we could do is really just put a sign up that describes their life or describes their church. And it would read this tonight, Ichabod, the glory of the Lord has departed. Now before you and I go too far in this, We've got to kind of make some things clear tonight. Certainly you have the Ark of the Covenant, which is really kind of a main, it's a main piece right here, not only in the worship of God, but certainly what would bring about this name Ichabod that she gives her son tonight. And so we do need to be clear on the Ark of the Covenant, what it represents, and even to us how it applies to us in the New Testament today. All right, because we are not in the Old Testament. All right, we are not under the law, and and so we need we need to understand these things tonight, just just very quickly. Now, for time's sake, I don't I don't have a lot of time here to go back and to look at all of these different scriptures and and things like that. But but let me just give you some things just very quickly from the book of Exodus when when God would give Moses the law and He would give him the instruction on the ark and and what it was supposed to be and where it was supposed to go. And, and, and the purpose of it and everything. In Exodus 31.7, God would tell Moses that it's, it's basically the centerpiece of the furniture within the tabernacle. In Exodus 26, verses 33 and 34, the ark was placed in the Holy of Holies, which is beyond the veil there in the tabernacle. And in Exodus 25, you begin to find that it had a mercy seat that sat upon it. This was where the blood was placed by the high priest for the sins of the people. This is where God dwelt. This is where God communed with man. And the bottom line is this tonight, please listen to this, the Ark of the Covenant represented the presence and the power of Almighty God. Alright, now here's what I know, and, I, and again, I don't have time to go look at all of this. You can go back and you can study all this and write all of this down, but here's what I know, alright? If you go to Hebrews in chapter number 9, in verses 1 through 15, what you will find is this, is that everything that God gave Moses was a pattern or a figure of that which was in heaven. That means the tabernacle is a figure. It's a pattern. Is anybody catching this? But that also means the Ark of the Covenant is a pattern. 
You, you understand what I'm saying? And, and so here's, here's, here's what you and I have to grab a hold of tonight. You see, what, what I believe is this, is that after the blood of Jesus Christ was shed on the cross of Calvary, the Bible tells us clearly in Ephesians, in chapter number 4, that Christ descended before He ascended. Is everybody catching this? In, in Ephesians 4, 9 and 10, now, now that He ascended, what is it but that He also descended first into the lower parts of the earth? He that descended is the same also that ascended up far above all heavens that He might fill all things. So, so here's what I believe tonight, and I'd venture to say we're all on the same page. Here's what I believe. I believe that the Lord Jesus Christ, but, uh, uh, after He shed His blood and died on the cross of Calvary and was placed in the grave for three days and three nights, I believe this, that He went into the lower parts of the earth and He delivered the Old Testament saints from the paradise side of hell and took them to heaven with Him. And that's where the Bible says this, that hell enlarged herself. And so Jesus went into heaven and went into the temple not made with hands and poured His blood upon the mercy seat there once and for all, the book of Hebrews says. And then He sat down at the right hand of the Father because here's why. The work of redemption for all of mankind, it is now complete. What I'm trying to say to you tonight is this, is that we don't have an ark because we don't need an ark. We have something better, which is what the book of Hebrews is about. We can have a personal relationship with God through His Son, Jesus Christ. We can have all of our sin forgiven, past, present, and future. It's all cast as far as the east is to the west, never to be remembered anymore. And we can have a walk with God. We can live for God. We can be filled with God. We can have His presence and His power in our lives. Now, please grab a hold of this tonight. That personal relationship and that salvation that you and I can have with God through Jesus Christ. Listen to this. You can never lose that. Once you, once you are a child of God, that never changes. You will always be a child of the King. In fact, Ephesians tells us we are sealed with the Spirit of God. Listen, you, you will always be a child of God. That's, not, that's never going to change. Is everybody catching this? Now, now please listen to this. This is why this is important. That relationship will never change. But fellowship can change. And you can move away from God. And you can even get to this place where it's Ichabod in your spiritual life. And what I'm trying to get across to you tonight is this, is that I, I know this for me, I don't want this in my life. Amen. You can't, listen, you, you can't have victory tonight without God. I don't, I don't want this in my life. I don't want death. I don't want destruction. I don't want judgment. I don't want chastisement. Listen, I want to live in victory for God. And, and so I'm saying to you, not, not only do I want this for me, but I want this for all of God's people. I want people to be saved and to know that they can walk with God and that they can live for God and that they can have victory for God. So, so how is it How is it that when you look at this scene tonight, this is not a scene of pleasantry. This is a scene of tragedy. How, how is it that you and I in our day and time, and you begin to see this picture of what it represents for us in the New, in the New Testament, how do we avoid something like this? And so what I would say to you tonight is this, is that one of the things that we need to notice 
is what caused all of this. In other words, what brought all of this about. Now, now we know this, that, out, that, that, that this is looking at it outside of, of this being the judgment of God on the house of Eli because we know this, God's Word's going to come to pass. And God's going to carry out His judgment, and He certainly does right here. But, but I want you to also understand that what's happening in Israel, listen, it's really a reflection of Eli's poor spiritual leadership. And so what is it that, that on, on Israel as a whole, what, what is it that they do that brings all of this about? And what I would say to you is this. Simply, the answer is simply this, all right? And, and here's, here's the idea. You cannot fight a spiritual battle in the flesh. You can't do it. And if you look down through here, that, that is exactly what happens here. All right, I want you to go back to verse number one. All right, now, now I realize you, some of you are like, man, preacher, you preached four verses this morning, and now we're looking at a whole chapter tonight. How long is this message going to be? Calm down, all right? It's going to go faster than what you think. All right, but look at verse number one very quickly, all right? Because it notice here, it says, And the word of Samuel came to all Israel. And so, in other words, it starts with focus being on the word that was given to Samuel in the previous chapter. The word right here, notice it says, and the word of Samuel came, and that word came right there literally means this, it came to pass. So, so you got to understand what this is saying is this, what God told Samuel about his judgment on the house of Eli in the previous chapter, guess what? It's now coming to pass. And so that's really what, what, what starts all of this off. So it reminds us, watch this, it reminds us that God's Word is true. He, but, but also, watch this, but also it reminds us that, that if we're going to have the ark, in other words, if we're going to have the presence and power of God in our lives, yeah, guess what? It's going to be based on the obedience of, of, of us according to His Word. It's going to be based on that. So as they go to battle... With the Philistines, what, what follows though here is Israel in the flesh as they go to battle with the Philistines. Li listen to this. There's no genuine seeking of God's direction here. There's no brokenness in prayer. And really, if I could say it like this, as you and I are getting in, you know, we, we understand Samuel. He's the last judge and the first prophet. So, so watch this. Really what this is is a reflection of the days of judges where every man does that which is right in his own eye. Look at what happens in verse number one. It says, And the word of the Lord came, and the word of Samuel, and the word of Samuel came to all Israel. Now Israel went out against the Philistines to battle and pitched beside Ebenezer, and the Philistines pitched in Aphek. Now, now watch what happens right here. Look at verse two. And the Philistines put themselves in array against Israel, and when they joined the battle, and when they joined the battle, Israel was smitten before the Philistines, and they slew the army of and they slew the army in the field, about 4,000 men. And when the people were come into the camp, the, the elders of Israel said, Wherefore hath the Lord smitten us today before the Philistines? Listen, God has nothing to do with this. This is them. And, and look at what happens here. Let us fetch the ark of the covenant of the Lord out of Shiloh unto us, that when it cometh among us, it may save us out of the hand of the enemies. So in verse number 4, that's what they do. Hophni's... And Phineas, well, they bring the Ark of the Covenant in, and everybody starts shouting. 
But you understand, again, here, here's, here's what I believe. I'm just telling you. Being in the flesh, here's what they did. You ready? Number one, they treated the things of God like some good luck charm. That's exactly what they did. After they're beaten by the Philistines once, Israel says, you know what, fellas, you know what we need? We need the ark. We need the ark of the covenant. Well, let me help you with this. Yes, they needed the presence and the power of God, but that's not how they viewed it. They kept saying, it, 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 it. This is what I wrote in my notes. They wanted the ark of God, not the God of the ark. It's a good luck charm. Let's bring that in, fellas. It'll bring us a good, it'll bring us good luck. We'll go out to battle and we'll win. That, that's exact. And, and listen, and you submit, preacher, that, that's Old Testament. Boy, they were in the flesh. We would never do that in Christendom today. Really? Really? What about our crucifixes? What about our rosary beads? Well, I tell you, it was heartbreaking to be there in, in Italy and to watch the, the, the Catholicism in the land and, and how they had all their little trinkets and all their little good luck charms and all their other things that have nothing to do with the Word of God. Listen to me tonight. It is heartbreaking to have those things like crucifixes. You can take them down off the cross. It's already been bought and paid for. Amen. He's seated at the right hand of the Father, and He's coming again, friend. But I'm just saying, no, 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 no. But, but I'm just telling you, that, that's in our day and our time. And it's heartbreaking when you can have a relationship with God through His Son and know that your sins are forgiven and that you have eternal life. But yet the bulk of Christendom is holding on to trinkets. That's what they're holding on to. But the truth of the matter is, I, I find this even among Bible-believing Baptists today. That if we're not careful, we start treating God just like Israel was treating the ark. It, in fact, he's nothing, listen, for a lot of people, he's nothing more than a spare tire. You know, you know this about a spare tire? You don't need it, you don't need it until some tragedy happens and you got a flat tire. And then you pull it out of the trunk. And sometimes that's the way it is with God's people. That, that we don't really walk with God and we don't spend time in His Word. But then all of a sudden some tragedy happens and we start reaping the consequences of our life. And then all of a sudden we realize, oh yeah, we do need God. And so we start coming to church a little bit more. And we try to get in our Bible reading again. And we try to start getting involved in the house of the Lord. But here's what I find is that what happens with those kind of people is that as soon as everything goes back to normal... They go right back into the things that they used to be in. And God's nothing more than a spare tire to him, to them. And, and you understand, and it's, not, and it's not just that, but the other thing that, that I watch is this, is that people treat God like, like, he's, like he's a drive-through attendant at a fast food place. I mean, that's really, we want Burger King Christianity, where it's our way right away. And, and so... You, you know, he's some genie in the bottle, and so we put our order in or make our wishes or whatever it is. And then when it, when it doesn't happen the way we want it and when we want it, we get mad at God and throw in the towel and quit on the things of God. My friend, listen to me. That is not how the God of heaven and earth works. And when you begin to treat God that way in your life, I'm just telling you, you are headed to an Ichabod in your life. In fact, here's something else. Look at what happens in verse number 5. 
Notice it says, when the, ark, when the ark of the covenant of the Lord came into the camp, all Israel shouted with a great shout so that the earth rang again. And when the Philistines heard the noise of the shout, this is how loud it is. You understand? They're completely on different sides of the valley here. And, and so Israel said, man, what meaneth the noise of this great shout in the camp of the Hebrews? And they understood that the ark of the Lord was coming to the camp. And the Philistines were afraid, and they said, God has come into the camp. And they said, Woe unto us, for there hath not been such a thing heretofore. Fellas, we're in trouble. Because this is what Israel was doing. Listen to this. They were socking themselves up in the flesh. Man, everybody's hollering out. Here comes Hophni and Phinehas, and they're bringing the ark in, man, and they're strutting and doing their thing. Well, huh, we got the ark of God. Everybody's starting to hoot. Woo! Yeah, baby, all right. Chest bumps, high fives, shouting glory and all this other stuff. And listen, and listen, God wasn't in the camp at all. This is like something out of the charismatic movement. And people flopping around and having fits and uttering gibberish that nobody understands and wants to call it a Holy Ghost fit. And Holy Ghost ain't got nothing to do with that. Last time I checked, He is holy. Seems like we've forgotten that in our day. I'm telling you, we got a bunch of people attributing things to the Spirit of God that have nothing to do with the Spirit of God. It is so vile and it is so wicked what they are attributing to God. That is ungodly. That is carnal. That is of the flesh. And it's no different with this evangelical crowd out there that's painting the walls black and having this become a stage of entertainment and getting, listen, and trying to manufacture up the presence and the power of God with their worldly music. Well, boy, I just felt so spiritual today. Look at the goosebumps on my arm. When the truth of the matter is, I don't care how big a goosebump it was, God probably didn't have nothing to do with that junk. Oh, come on, it's getting quiet in here, but I'm telling you that's true. And you understand, no, 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 no. And please listen to this. And, and, but and again, we could, we, we could look out there and we could see the whole spectrum of Christianity in America. And we could see, man, that, that's, not, that's not according to truth. That's not according to the Bible. That's not worshiping God in spirit and in truth. That's worshiping you. But the truth is, we're so quick to point the finger out there when really we're probably not even walking with God in here half the time. And well, preacher, you know, I mean, just that special, that special the other day, it just spoke to my heart. When we ain't opened a Bible in six months, when we ain't, when we ain't got along with God in prayer in, in, in months and, and got on our face, and, but, yeah, but we got a spiritual goosebump. This is where we're at. And we want to point the finger and look down our noses at everybody out there. What about us? Truth of the matter is, maybe we throw Ichabod up here. And you, listen, I'm, I'm telling you, you gotta, you got to grab a hold of this tonight. We, we're, listen, listen, we're in a spiritual battle just like they're in a physical battle. In the power and the presence of God, it is necessary to have victory in the Christian life. It's necessary. All right, but, but what, now watch this. 
But what I have found in my life is that God's economy is different than my economy. And, and you understand the presence and power of God, it, it's not found in trinkets. It's not found in trinkets and good luck charms. But, it, but it's also not found in us sucking ourselves up and exalting ourselves in the flesh and trying to get some good vibes or goosebumps going. It's not. You know where it's found? Getting on your face. Getting broken. And getting humble. And realizing how much you need Him because without Him you can't do anything. Let, let me give you some scripture tonight. You want to write these down? Here's ones you ought to go back and read and chew on. Psalm 34, 18. The Lord is nigh unto them that are of a broken heart. And saveth such as be of a contrite heart, contrite spirit. The sacrifices of God are of a broken spirit. A broken and a contrite heart, O God, thou wilt not despise. Psalm 51, 17. Isaiah 57, 15. For thus saith the high and lofty one that inhabiteth eternity, whose name is holy. I dwell in the high and holy place with him also that is of a contrite and humble spirit to revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the heart of the contrite ones. Do you know what I see when I read 1 Samuel chapter 4? I see none of this. I see none of this. It's all flesh. It's all good luck trinkets and flesh and psyching themselves up. And what I'm saying to you tonight is this, is that if you and I want the presence and the power of God, if you want to get back to right fellowship with God, then, then friend, it doesn't come by any of these things. It, it comes when we get broken of who we are and who He truly is. And we go all in. And just, God, I can't do anything. I, I need you, my friend. Hey, that's when you get right with God. And that's when you get the presence and power of God in your life. Now, let me show you the next thing here. All right? In, in, in other words, if you're headed towards Ichabod tonight in your spiritual life, and the causes, the causes of what led them here doesn't get your spiritual attention, then, then hopefully the cost of Ichabod will. Be, because, li, listen to this, you cannot live the spiritual life in the flesh and it not come without a cost. It's going to cost sooner or later. It's going to cost sooner or later. We will reap what we sow. And that's exactly what, Ichab or what, uh, what Israel shows us in this scene. Look down at verse number 8. Watch this. So again, this is the Philistines talking here. They say, woe unto us. Who shall deliver us out of the hand of these mighty gods? These are the gods that smote the Egyptians with all the plagues in the wilderness. Be strong. Quit yourselves like men, O ye Philistines, that ye be not servants unto the Hebrews as they have been uh, to you. Quit yourselves like men and fight. And the Philistines fought, and Israel was smitten, and they fled every man uh, into his tent. And there was a very great slaughter, for there fell of Israel 30,000 footmen, and the ark of God was taken, and the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, were slain. The, the first cost of Ichabod is this. There's going to be a great defeat. There will be a great defeat. See, just as Israel, watch this, just as Israel psyched themselves up in the flesh, guess what? The Philistines did that also. 
And this is what's sad about this defeat. I want you to go back up to verse number 8, and I want you to look at it closely. He said, it says, Woe unto us, who shall deliver us out of the hand of these mighty gods? Listen to this. These are the gods that smote the Egyptians with all the plagues in the wilderness. They, they ruined their testimony. Listen to this. Where Israel was to be a representative, representative of God's power to all the other nations, they sent the message that God really has no power. They needed to know it wasn't God's with a plural, it was just God. And they needed to know that Jehovah God's the living God. Not their God. Not Dagon. In fact, God's going to show them. God's going to show them that Dagon, Dagon, the fish god, he ain't God, because he's going to be fall. He's going to be over with his head and his arms chopped, or head and his hands chopped off. This little statue before the ark. It's a great story. I can't wait. To, can't wait to get to it. People are already going fish god, man. I got a fish on my Bible. I got to get that thing off there. Yeah, you probably ought to. Kind of like you ought to take that Jesus is my co-pilot bumper sticker off too because Jesus better be your pilot. I don't know where all that came from. I'm sorry about that. I don't. We, we already got past trinkets. But what I'm saying to you is this. It can be the same with us. I already mentioned this tonight, and I know it's no news, no, nothing new to this crowd, but we are in a spiritual warfare. But this is what you got to understand this tonight. The devil knows it. The sad part is, I think sometimes God's people don't realize that. I love what Dave Hardy said, and I've quoted, the, I've, I've, I mentioned this quote a multitude of times, but he re, I, I wrote this down in one of my Bibles years ago, but he said this, we're living like we're on a playground instead of a battleground. And that's really what we're doing. And you need to know this tonight. Listen to this. If you are saved tonight, if you know Christ as your Savior, glory, hallelujah, Satan cannot have your soul. That belongs to God. Somebody say amen tonight. But, but you understand, that doesn't mean he won't try and ruin your testimony. Because if, Listen, because if he can ruin your testimony, he can keep those around you from being influenced by what God has done in your life. And, and what I'm saying to you is this. This is exactly what's happening in our day and time. I, it, it just, I'm telling you, and I've said this a multitude of times, and we've got to get this. I, I have learned this over the years in ministry, that almost every time I have seen somebody make a spiritual decision, like they trust Christ as their Savior, or they decide to follow God in baptism, or they become part of one of the Lord's churches, I mean, almost in almost every instance, as soon as they decide that and it becomes public and they set out to follow God, guess who shows up with all kinds of spiritual warfare? It is the devil. And I'm telling you, there's all kinds of tragedy and stuff that happens around people. Listen, why, why do you think that is? Because if he can get you to go back on your commitment to follow God, 
then He can have influence on people around you with doubting the power and, and, and goodness and grace of God. L- listen to this tonight. God has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness according to 2 Peter. You know what that means? That means this tonight. God has not shortchanged us. He's not shortchanged us in 2023. He's not shortchanged us. L- listen, so, so, but, but and, and you understand, and I love what... I love what Christ said to Paul. His grace is sufficient. But when we live life in the flesh, listen to this, when we live life in the flesh and we end up defeated in the Christian life, it sends sends the opposite message to those around us. It says that God has shortchanged us and that His grace is insufficient when that's simply not true. It's just that we've been trying to live the Christian life in the flesh. That's the problem. I could, I could sit here tonight and, boy, we could, we could talk about testimonies, even testimonies in this room tonight of, of, of God doing a work among people. I've, I've, seen, I've seen kids, I've seen kids uh, uh, come on a bus route and, and God do a work in their lives. And because of that, mom and dad come to church and God does a work in their life. Isn't that right, Kennedy family? I've seen, I've seen, I've seen uh, spouses. I've, I've seen, I've seen the husband get saved, and because of that, God starts doing a work in the wife, and she gets saved, or the wife gets saved. God starts doing a work in the husband; he gets saved. I've seen mom and dad get saved and get in church, and their teenagers start coming to church, and they get saved, and God does a work in their life. Never forget, we had a couple in Cassville like that, and boy, God just done a work in that family. It was incredible to watch the 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 daughter and the son get saved. And, Put their faith and trust in Christ. What a blessing that is. And those are all wonderful testimonies. And I praise God for that. But can I also say this? That on the other side of that. I've seen parents have one foot in church. And one foot in the world. And what happens is this. Is that eventually they just quit coming. And quit serving God. And quit doing things for God. And. And they just quit on God altogether and they're out in the world. And then they sit back and wonder why their children wants nothing to do with the things of God. When here's why. It's because of their influence. It's because they've consistently sent the message that God's not enough, we need the world. It's their own spiritual Ichabod. And over that family now is this. The glory of the Lord has departed. But let me give you the second thing tonight and I'm done. Because not only is there going to be defeat, my friend, there's going to be death. As I already read, and I'm not going to go back through here and read all of this. You see the account. Hophni and Phinehas, they were killed. Eli, he's going to hear the news that he's going to fall off the side of the wall and Humpty Dumpty can't be put back together again. I don't know why, but that's what I think of every time I read that. I don't... And I don't mean to be ugly because I think one day we'll probably get to heaven and see Eli. I don't, know that we'll, I don't think we'll see Hophni and Phinehas because the Bible says this, they didn't know the Lord. Because they're still in hell tonight when it engulfed herself. I wonder what they thought when Jesus Christ came down there and preached and then took the Old Testament saints up. You ever thought about that? 
But even his daughter-in-law, she's going to die giving birth. Listen to this tonight. Death is always associated with Ichabod. You know why? Because God is light and life. And when His presence and His power go, there's nothing but darkness and death and defeat. And again, while I'm, I'm thankful that I cannot lose my salvation, and I want to be clear on that tonight, I'm thankful that I cannot lose my salvation. You can't lose it tonight. But I want you to listen to this. But I've seen people get so far away from God that it was like they were spiritually dead on the inside. And what was once a life filled with joy and love and service for the Lord has become a life filled with bitterness and malice and the misery of this world. Did you know this tonight? That even a New Testament church can become this way. When Jesus examined the seven churches in Asia Minor, in Revelation chapter 3 and verse number 1, He addresses a church called Sardis. And He says this about the church at Sardis, an angel, And unto the angel of the church at Sardis write, These things saith he that have the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. Listen to this. I know thy works, that thou hast a name that thou livest, and art dead. You know what he's saying to that church? He's saying this. He's saying, you used, to, you used to serve me. You used to live for me. You had a name from the past of where you loved me and you were on fire for me. But now, listen to this, but now you are dead. And it's like, it's like the name Ichabod could be put out there on the church sign. The glory of the Lord has departed. Well, what I'm saying to you tonight is this is don't let spiritual apathy set into you. Don't let it set into your family. Don't let it set into Faith Baptist Church tonight. Jesus, Jesus said this. Listen to this in John 6, 63. It is the Spirit that quickeneth. That means this, makes alive. It is the Spirit that quickeneth. Listen to this. The flesh profiteth nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. You know, there's a reason why he says unto the church at Sardis, these things saith he that had the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. You know why? Because what they really needed was to get back to the preaching of the Word of God in a Spirit-filled life. That's what would bring life into that church. And guess what? That's what's going to bring life into you and your family. And if there's anything that I could say tonight to the church, to to, to Faith Baptist Church, it's this. May May we constantly be reminded not to let spiritual apathy set into this place. Folks, we need to be on fire for God. Look at the stuff that's going on in this world. Now's not the time to crawl in a hole and hide. Now's not the time to be Ichabod. Now's the time to be on fire for God. Now's the time to be in church when the doors are open. Now's the time to be in your Bible and looking for God to speak and praying and seeking the face of God and walking out of your homes every day filled up with His presence and His power and being the witnesses that we need to be and having a pocket full of tracks 
and inviting our neighbors and our co-workers and our family members. Now's the time to be on fire for God. Not to be Ichabod. But it can happen. And I want you to, I want to leave you with this tonight. If you came in tonight and you think, man, preacher, this is kind of hitting home with me. This is where I'm at in my spiritual life. I feel like I'm just, I'm just Ichabod. It's like the glory of the Lord has departed and I haven't sensed the presence and the power of God in my life and I am waning and I am wavering in my spiritual life and I don't know where, listen, let me, let me help you with this tonight. If you came in feeling like that, you don't have to leave feeling like that. Years ago, we were, we were actually on vacation again back in, in Florida. And uh, it's, we go there a lot. It's free room and board, right? It's a, so we, we were, my father-in-law is a pastor there now. And he asked me, he asked me, he said, he said would, you, would you be willing to preach while you're here? I know you're on vacation, but would you be willing to preach on a Sunday morning? And I said, you know what, sure, it's a, you know, it's a church I got saved in. We got married in and called to preach in and all of that. It's kind of our, it's our home church. And so I said, yeah, sure, I'd be honored to. And I, I don't even remember the message. I think it was, I, I actually, I, I think it was something uh, around the prodigal son or something like that in, in Luke chapter 16. And what a great story that is, the prodigal son coming home. Anyways, I, I was in the service that morning, and there was a gentleman there in the service I'd never seen before, ne- never knew who he was until uh, later on. But come to find out, a man had, had came into church that morning. His name was J.B. Bowles, and he hadn't been to church in a very long time. I, I found out later that he used to go to church with my wife's family years and years and years ago at another church. I mean, it was years ago. And ever since then, some things had happened in his life, and he just he got away from the Lord, and he got out of church. And that morning, I stood up, and I preached. I had no idea what God was going to do. had no idea he was there. And I stood up and preached and gave the invitation. And J.B. Bowles stepped out of his pew, and he came to the altar and got on his face before God. And he got right with God. And did you know this? He came, he came later on. He came. I think it was that night, Sunday night, he came back to church. And he came before the church and he said, I, I, he said after that message this morning, I, God spoke to me, I, need to dedicate, I want to dedicate my life to the Lord again and I want, to, I want to live for the Lord. And did you know this? That's exactly what he did. Amen. He got in church, listen to this, he was a faithful man in the church, he, never, he was in services, he was a blessing to the pastor, he prayed and served and ministered. I'm, I'm telling you, you want to talk about a godly man. I mean, you want to talk about a guy that finished on fire for God. And right up until the end, I think he ended up with cancer, got cancer, and God called him home. But he went out, listen, he went out, he went out on fire instead of going out with Ichabod. Listen to me tonight. I'm telling you, you don't have to leave out of here Ichabod tonight. The, The same God that saved you the fellowship is broken right now. Listen to me. You can come to Him and He'll forgive you and He'll restore you and you can have right fellowship with Him again. But I'm telling you, but it's not going to come through trinkets and it's not going to come through sucking yourself up. It's going to come when we fall on our face and we get right with God because we realize how much we need Him. Let's all stand tonight.